I'm Professor Neil Feinstein, and this is Conversations with the Creators, sponsored by St. John's Master's Program in Integrated Advertising Communications. Ideas thrive here. One reason creative people everywhere choose to work in advertising, PR, tech, and media as a profession is the culture of the work environment. But culture is so much more than Bagel Friday and town hall meetings. Today's conversation is with a creator who is passionate about culture and community outside agency cubicles. Meet Andre Gray, Chief Creative Officer at Annex 88, author of Digital Anthropomorphism, Con Lion jury member, Adwe Creative 100 2021 recipient, and a professional who goes to work every day to do things that people will remember. Andre, thank you for agreeing to do something my students will remember by sharing your wisdom on this episode of Conversations with the Creators. Amazing. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, So on your LinkedIn profile, you have one sentence, and it says, I help make brands better people. It's so interesting to me that you treat brands as people. And in your book, you even write about how humanizing a brand lays a foundation for understanding. So let's start there. How does the sh- how does the idea of treating a brand as a person shift your perspective as you go about your job? Yeah, I I think um, I think it's foundational and fundamental, right? Um, but I'll go take a step further because. This, you know, as as you know from having had a look at my book, this is not my opinion. It's not conjecture. It's this is science, right? So a company is a is an entity that exists, right? Um, the products are things you can touch, you know. At sometimes even software as a service, right? Like that's a thing that you can interact with. But a brand is an idea, right? As a thing that I can never put my hands on or physically manifest itself then it falls in the category of human reaction, which is anthropomorphism, right? Anthropomorphism lies on a spectrum from, I look at the clouds and I see a face to projecting human attributes to non-human things, right? When I think of a dog, it's very hard for me not to understand that dog. It's being sad, that might just be the dog's face, but I'm putting my humanity onto that dog. You do the same thing to brands, right? And so over time, all the things, you know, that brands do, and and you go back in the history of what brands have done, celebrity sponsorship, spokesmen, you know, advertising, um, their products themselves, their PR scandals, whatever it might be, those are all kind of things thrown into a gumbo that which is the idea of the brand and the zeitgeist. That is an anthropomorphic process, right? Because I can never touch it, I think of it in human terms. I think of it as a happy brand or a sad brand or an empowering brand. And you can see this shown time and time again. One of the great um, kind of dives into this was it was uh, by Susan Fournier in the mid nineties where she did this really deep quantitative um, research, quantitative research, qualitative research. There you go. I always get the two confused. Um, (laughs) Into what in the meaning of brands and what they meant for people, right? And I always remember this sentence, you know, my friends wouldn't wake up with me to go running in my Reeboks or my workout partner. You're assuming that they are 
person in the way that you're understanding them. Once you start there, your permissions are completely different, right? Because the traditional brand book that, that goes way back, you know, uh, way before I was born, you know, um, would tell you, oh, this is our brand. We own it. It's an asset. I can tell you what to do. I can tell you what it is. Uh, you can't really tell people what it is, right? You have to humbly kind of offer, you know, hey, you think this aligns with us? I think the other thing too, is it makes it so that consistency is not exactly the name of the game. No one expects you as a person like Neil, you wake up every day. You know, no one expects you to say hi the same way, wear the same shirt. No, you, even if you did that, right? Like you take a Steve Jobs, a famous example of a person who wears the same shirt all the time. Right. He had to have an explanation for you before you were like, this person's not a weirdo or crusty because they're wearing the same shirt, right? right? So it's less about being consistent in the sense of matching luggage and it's more about being consistent like am i aspiring to be a person that people would admire or want to associate themselves with and then how do i keep feeding that in a way that just as a person right if i wanted to all of a sudden show up and be a completely different personality than i had been the day before and especially around people that knew me or knew me for years or for generations as some of these brands you know exist well you couldn't just do that overnight you can't just decide we have a new positioning right you have right. to say let me feed this with different versions and i don't know which one is going to hit exactly i don't know which one people are going to like the best so i think it has a foundational um foundationally humbling uh impact on the approach and it also makes me a lot less concerned i think with things like consistency because I right. think it's more about being true to yourself and then interacting in a more kind of easy to understand way. It, uh, one of my one of my favorite definitions of brand is in a book, um, Groundswell. You know that that incredible book about social media. And Charlene Lee says, "Your brand is whatever your customers say it is." Right. So you, uh, you know that idea of it not being something you can hold on to is very interesting. Also, that idea of your brand being your best friend. I mean, if we can get if we as the brand uh, can get to a client, get there. Um, to be somebody's best friend, well, isn't that the holy grail of all of everything that we do? And it's it's I, I, I'm going to shift this to where I really want to take this conversation because in this world we live in, another one of my one of my gurus is Philip Kotler, who writes a book called Marketing Five Five Point and he talks about the world we're living in as technology for humanity, and that is what people care about in this day and age. So if a brand can't be human and supporting humanity, you know, is it, is it relevant in this day and age? So, you know, do you, do you have any thoughts on brands and the communities they're creating, the, um, the, the cultures there, there are, are brands, are brands creating cultures or are they, are they leading the culture or are they part of the culture or are they following the culture? I think in the context of brands as people, right? I don't right. think any person creates culture singularly, right? Culture is an answer to a need state, a need for connectedness and a need for commonality, right? Because common 
ritual and habit creates comfort and security, right? It's why we form societies in the first place. And so as such, and once you go from brand as a thing that the company owns and as an asset to brand as a person, well, now it's equal to all the other people in that culture, right? right. And so you could say like, um, take Nike Talk, for instance, right? Nike Talk is a, it started in the early 2000s as a forum um, where people talked about Nikes and Jordans and releases and all these kind of other things. The brand is central to the community, but the community is not created by the brand. The brand actually has no impact on the community in and of itself because you could easily have those people come together and geek out over another thing, right? So it's got to offer itself to that community in a different way. I think with regards to technology, I mean, look at look at the technologies that are around us, right? The number one commonality in any technology is that it is a human creation. It is an extension of human states, right? Social media is a way for us to connect with more people than we can regularly connect with. I always think of like, um, I'm forgetting the book right now, but the famous book in, you know, Ithaca and, you know, the guys growing up, we've all read it. I can't remember which one it is. It's Catcher in the Rye or one of those ones, but um, you know, the guy's growing up and he has to kind of forcibly be friends with the people on his block. Right. Because those are the people that are around. That is his community. That is what he has access to. He tries to create a subculture out of that by creating, you know, a connection with certain people within that. Now we can go on the internet and connect with people around the world, but it is still the same thing, right? You invent cars because you want to move. That is an extension of actually moving as a person. So all the technologies should be understand understood in human terms and as extensions of the human access and human abilities. There's not an invention of a technology that does something that's completely unhuman because it wouldn't have been born from the human mind. Well, it's so interesting to me that, you know, if you treat a brand as a person and an equal, then it's it's perfectly okay for a brand to be part of the conversation, not leading the conversation, you know, not saying, here's here's my social media, everybody come here and you know, talk and I'll be, I'll be, you know, stalking you as you talk, but, you know, let's have a conversation about, you know, body perfection, you know, hello dove, or let's have a conversation about how everybody should be their best, you know, performance. Hello, Nike. Um, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. I think, I think in that, in that sense, brands can participate in culture you know, one of the things we say here at, at Annex 88 is, um, you know, we have kind of three questions, right? Who are your people? What conversations are they in? And what can you bring to the potluck? And that third one is super important, right? Like, I, we've had some discussion about, it, but it's like potlucks aren't inherently good or bad. Sometimes the food is not so good. Sometimes you get a stomach ache, but it's like, you know, it is a humble gathering, right? So, in terms of where brands fall in culture, they can always participate in culture as long as they approach it from a non-authoritative perspective. Because no one, I can't go, I'm in New York. I'm in the middle of Tribeca. I can't go outside and be like, hey, I'm the best whatever in New York. And everyone would be like, yo, shut up. Or they'll just walk by and ignore me. It's just not how that works. Now, brands have unique permissions in culture because of the scale that they pay with which they pay for attention. Right. So that's something that 
you know, let's say I was a, a painter, you know, and I was the best painter in the world and I was here, you know, in my house. Well, I don't have the scale of Procter & Gamble as the world's number one advertiser. So how do they use what they have to offer things to the potluck? It's the same kind of thing. Any type of circle, a dance circle, don't step into the middle unless you have some moves, but it's not about you. It's about the vibe. It's about the community and culture that's inside of the circle. But is is there is there a bit of a, a problem because now brands are using their financial power to uh, either muscle their way into a conversation to be to do they have a responsibility to the world to to um, you know to, to to humanity do they have a responsibility to humanity because they have that that financial clout and power. I, I think they do. You know, I think that brands have a responsibility just as much as I think the companies have a responsibility um, because they have scale and they have a platform. So if you just go say anything on a platform, it's it it can it it might not actually be the best thing to say. You know what I mean? We're in a very interesting time where the inundation of information has made it, I think, in historical terms probably the hardest it's ever been to figure out what the truth is right and so in that mess it's very difficult to to sort out where you should find belief and where you should find truth you know i mean you think about the instance yesterday right um kanye west you know goes as in in a runway show for his brand yeezy which is a brand action right um, and wears a shirt that says white lives matter on the back and whether you believe in BLM the entity or not it's impossible to ignore that that's probably an irresponsible statement to propagate in the state of things today particularly with the fact that even if you have an objection to how BLM the entity has operated saying Black Lives Matter is a response to physical harm and death. Right. So the, the, the financial side of things has really nothing to do with where we're, we're going to have to put a, a, a floor on die or not. And as a brand, you shouldn't go say random shit. That's not the full extent of the conversation. So well, I think well, they do have a responsibility. Let's talk about, I mean, Kanye is a brand, right? Would you Kanye agree, would is a you brand, Yeezy right. is a brand. So there's multiple brands that play on top of each other, you know, for sure. Right. So Kanye is sharing his, do you think he would do that as, as a way to provoke a conversation? Or do you think he was making a statement? You know, and, and what is, is, is there, is, what is his responsibility to humanity to do that? I think that Kanye, I think with, I think with great power comes great responsibility. It's right. still the same. Right. Awesome. And so um, that responsibility falls for any entity. Kanye as a brand, Yeezy as a brand, right. I, I think that as a, 
black person and as a person in the history of all the things that he's said and tried to do, I think we can debate whether that statement is helpful to that as an overall cause, right? Um, I don't, I think from a brand perspective and from a company and business perspective, being a provocateur is not like a new thing. I think there's a new nuance and subtlety to it. I mean, you think about one of the best ads, you know, I would, I would say of all time, right? The um, TNT ad more drama, right? Oh, um, okay. Yeah, <laughs> we weren't going to the same place. But you know, I, know, where, I, know, I thought you were going someplace else, but I, I okay, I'm there too. <laughs> where they, um, I think it was in Belgium or wherever, you know, they did a physical stunt that was just an increasingly more dramatic scene that was acted out. It's almost like a flash mob, right? All of a sudden yeah. there's an ambulance, all of a sudden there's football players in the street, like all these things right. are happening, right? Like that is a provocateur stance and tactic, but it played within the bounds of, the responsibility of the brand and the brand, you know, moving to a positive space. So I, I think it's hard for me to have a judgment of him as a human because as a human, he should be allowed to express himself how he wants. But unfortunately, you can't untie his impact and platform from his humanity. And so therefore, there are things you're expected to say in private and things you're expected, you know, I think, to responsibly think twice about before you say them in public, especially as a person who he, his brand, whether it's Adidas, Yeezy or Yeezy or Gap, it's also important for him to acknowledge that the core purchasers of streetwear are kids. They have always right. been kids and they will always be kids. That's why brands like the hundreds, you know, and, and Pink Dolphin, you know, in, in their heydays, they had a more kid-like aesthetic. And so you have to come into that knowing that you're dealing with impressionable minds, you know? But I, I you know, I mean, we, you know, we can take Kanye, you're right. He's the provocateur and that is part of his brand to, be, to provoke. But I love, but I've always been an admirable of any brand that has values that they live by. And so, you know, one brand I always talk about is Chick-fil-A. I mean, they have, values they are uh, they are a very christian company they close their stores on sunday every sunday their store their values whether i uh, whether i align with those values or not is a different thing but at least they're putting out into the world how they feel about things and i think that's that's admirable and then i as a consumer and we know that now i as a consumer can decide whether i want to be part of their community or not be part of their community yeah, I mean, I think, I think being true to yourself is is important, and I think you should express your values. I think Kanye and Chick Fil A are similar in so far yes, as I agree. They both have done things, especially with regards to black and brown people, that are questionable at best, and they do lose some of the market share because of it. Right. I think if it was pound for pound about chicken sandwiches. Um, Chick-fil-A has one of the best chicken sandwiches, if not the best chicken sandwich. That's not what causes me to hesitate every time I drive by one. Right, exactly, exactly. It's very, it's very interesting to me. Um, but I think that in the world, uh, and I, I, I get that in the world we live in today, 
and people demand their brands to stand. They want brands to stand for something. They choose. hundred percent. So maybe I choose to listen to Kanye. Maybe I don't choose to listen to Kanye because of, uh, because of, <laughs> because of what, yeah. what, what he does. I, I think that's fair. I think it's, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a very muddy time where we go for yeah. truth. I mean, it's one of the things that I said in the book, right? Like when we make a tr- transition from, you know, it's very, it's a very long steps, but if you go from a transition from religion as truth to print capitalism, translating religion, and now forcing you out of finding truth and religion into nationalism and now into brands, and now we're in a new phase where I think somewhere between brands and branded personas is where we're looking for for yeah. truth. I would say Kylie and Kim and Kanye and Jay, like any of these one name, you know, Bay, any of these one name people are yeah. other versions of branded personalities. Because like, like if you take Trump as an example, I don't know if Trump is exactly how he portrays himself to be. I think he's marketing himself and aware of that. Yeah. So as a branded personality, a thing that feels very close to a person, but is actually a bit of a calculated strategic marketing position, right? The responsibility, I think, becomes higher the more you think about it in a way that like, you know, um, a, a John McEnroe was probably a more unfiltered version of just himself right Right. he wasn't purposefully trying to be one way or another he was just kind of brash right but then but then you know john McEnroe, you know was gave birth to somebody like Djokovic, who does that you know on a on a regular basis right emulating McEnroe, or but you see McEnroe. i mean for McEnroe, he it was organic that's who he was and that's what it came out in his game are you know are the are now tennis players knowing I can throw my hissy fits out there because John McEnroe did it mm, mm. on the court? Uh, it's impossible it, to know, but everything's born from what was. Let me well, let me ask you this: do, do, do brands have a responsibility to stand for something, or can they be can they not stand for anything? Can you know can Home Depot just not be anything because? Hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna do work on your on your home, you know we're the place to go. Doesn't matter yeah, what we I, stand for. I I don't know if they have a responsibility for standing for things. I I would kind of flip the question. Okay. I think that in the last kind of five to seven years, right, corporate social responsibility has been the biggest kind of push in in marketing. Right. Um, what are your brand values? I think yeah. right. Yeah values and purpose. I think that as much as it is from a purchase standpoint, but also from an internal culture standpoint, people want to find value because they're realizing the value in their dollar. They're realizing the value in their time. I want to know why I work here. I want to know why I wear this. I want to know why I stand for this, right? Um, I think if you filter that trend through 2020, which was a demand for representation and authenticity, I think the brands that can show up and be authentic in the next five years will be the brands that are the most successful. So I think it's less about responsibility and it's more about, do you want to pay attention to the business trends? Because if you continue to be kind of wishy-washy or in the middle or stay out of the game, 
someone is going to beat you at a like-for-like -like product because if you look at all the categories, the parity is unparalleled. There's no real difference between the different cars. There's no real difference between the different mugs or the different this or the different that. There's very few, right? Yeti comes out and revolutionizes coolers and mugs, but now all the mugs are the same again, mm -hmm. right? The, the window for replication of technology is so short that right. you have to stand on what people think it says about them and what you make them feel. And I think that's the best thing for your business. So I think if you have a fiduciary responsibility to your business, then you have a responsibility to have values in, in, in that order. It's not like values for value's sake, it's values because good business. And values are, and let's bring it back to the beginning part of our conversation. Values are something that people have. Not, not exactly. Entity, exactly. So that's why a brand is a person. <laughs> exactly. See, right. love, love a conversation be, that comes back to the beginning. Right? <laughs> I, want, I want to be um, respectful of your time. So let me just, let me just ask you the, you know, the last question I like to ask all of my guests on this uh, conversation. So you are, you are um, talking to a group of you know, eager and hungry um, advertising, PR, technology, media majors. What advice do you want to give them about the world that they're going to enter into someday, hopefully soon, and be very successful. Yeah, I would say, I would say two things. I would say one, um, do your homework. You know, I think the biggest thing that can separate you from being great at this and great at anything is just knowing the game, knowing what's around, what's happened before, what's come before you. I think there's a lot of traps that you can fall into of trying to make an idea that's very similar to something else, um, which is good as long as you do it on purpose, right? You think about film. If I mimic a shot from another movie on purpose, it's a reference. If it's an accident, it's plagiarism. That's the difference. So know, right. know your references. And then number two, I would say you're on the right path because even if you want to do something else, I think getting an exposure to the way that companies show up and try to talk about themselves, which is essentially what advertising and, and marketing is, it's going to let you understand those companies, you know, in a tremendous way. And so it's a great way for you to get started, get paid, and then figure out what's going on, whether you stay or you don't stay, it's a good place to start. This will always translate to any industry, any place you want to go after. What it builds is empathy. By doing that, it builds your empathy as a human being. hundred percent. Thank you, Andre. Thank you so much for your time. You're, you're, you're amazing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, you know, creating the platform, not only for myself, but especially for the students. And I hope to continue this conversation. We will. We definitely will. <laughs> definitely. This has been Conversations with the Creators, sponsored by St. John's Master's Program in Integrated Advertising Communications. Thanks to all our guests, my colleagues Professor Audrey Siegel Mavora, Kevin James, Christine Munk, and our producer Miriam Prever. Keep on ideating.